0: Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking student loans, unforgiven, shamed spenders, and geographic arbitrage.
1: That's right, buddy. This is our Friday flight, and we're going to talk about the top stories that we came across this week. No big surprise. We are going to spend a minute talking about student loans because, of course, of the impact that the Supreme Court decision is going
0: to have on so many Americans, so many borrowers out there. I mean, a lot of stuff happened in the last week, and especially on Friday after the Friday flight came out. And so there's uh, a week's worth of Crazy news to catch <laughs> up on for sure. Well, yeah, and we're not going to catch up on a full week's worth
1: of news, but we're, you know, yeah. we're, this is our Friday flight. It's a sampling of all of uh some of the different the stories heavy hitters. out there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, there
0: was a lot of other stuff too. The Supreme Court was just the talk of the town, right? But a lot of that stuff, not really our field of study. So we'll yeah, leave, it's we'll leave more, that to other More to political.
1: It's basically if you, yeah, if you're like a legal wonk, yes. if you're into following the law, this is like Christmas in july yeah. <laughs> because
0: you're following all of the developments but of course we're gonna or maybe talk, krampus talk. in july if <laughs> yeah. depending on your political leanings but exactly real quick i want to mention prime day is coming up in just a couple days right and oh Pri- it is prime day has kind of become the
1: you gonna get you a get yourself an instapot
0: <laughs> i hear
1: that <laughs> that didn't that company fold recently <laughs> they, they filed for bankruptcy okay. whether or not i don't yeah i don't know i don't follow gosh <laughs> different manufacturers. they were so hot and they were <laughs> like <laughs> the item of prime day for a while like 2017 2018 yeah. not anymore we do we still use ours
0: like at least once a week yeah kate kate loves them they're good devices but i think they had their moment in the sun and that is no longer they spread themselves a little too thin yes well okay i just wanted to say real quick on prime day like it has i think become the black friday of midsummer it's true but the the problem is a lot of people spend more money than they should on prime day and i'm not against you spending money finding a great deal whatever but i think it's just important to note hey uh you if you don't have the budget for it, you might just kind of want to stay off the internet for a couple days. And if you do, if you have this, this uh, if there's something in particular you have been looking to score a deal on, Matt, I am looking to score a deal on, what? on a Garmin watch because... Oh, all right, you
1: know, runner boy. I know.
0: I'm doing more trail running <laughs> and I want to be able to track that stuff. And so oh, I love it. that might be... I'm not going to buy a bunch of stuff, but if I find a deal on that i'll be ready to pounce and so yeah have in mind something don't, maybe don't let tim talk you into getting <laughs> one of those fancy watches he's try to convince you trying to
1: <laughs> I'm like, all right do, I... do you not carry your phone with you when you go for a run um, like, I, like, yeah i do i put like it in, in my backpack, it backpack yeah so i do for me at least just track you know turning on strava or whatever and just using the phone yeah uh, i at least i i've not yet embraced the but there are the, more the satellite watch there are more tracking. things you can track including yeah heart rate, VO2, all that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, VO2. Man, look at, listen to you. I don't know what I'm You're turning about. <laughs> into a
0: <laughs> VO2 max, how much oxygen your body is able to... Yeah, oh, I love it, dude. Uh, just word of the wise people, it, Prime Day is totally fine to partake, but do it in a balanced way. And, and the truth is, like a lot of retailers are jumping in on this. It's not just Amazon. Everybody's like, oh, cool. Amazon's doing it. We're going to do it too. And so I think there's going to be a lot of temptation out there for people to spend more than they otherwise would or could or should. And so, yeah, just know that up front. And it might be best to avoid that temptation altogether Maybe if even, you ain't got the money for it. Maybe even unsubscribe
1: from the different deal news, slick deals, yeah. uh, newsletters if you get those because... I, yeah, they're going to be ramping those suckers up yes, as well. <laughs> but let's talk about student loans because student loan forgiveness is no more. And basically, President Biden's blanket uh ten to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness is not going to happen. Uh, the ruling was six to three with some there's some spicy pros in there from uh, judges on
0: both sides of to the me, case. One of the most interesting things is to is to read. The, the justice opinions
1: this is how you know you're getting older when you start to read the <laughs> right. dissents and what, what's the other one um you have a dissent opinion and a concurrence yeah just all the different so fun
0: to read just <laughs> like, like to, we, we are starting to turn turn into some of those right, legal wonks next but. we're gonna start bird watching but yeah no i think it's so it's so fascinating to see how they came to their opinions <laughs> yeah
1: and basically the main reason this ruling was struck down was that the majority of justices they believe that forgiveness of this magnitude which was over 400 billion dollars that it can't be done By the executive branch alone, that specifically Congress would need to pass a bill making this a reality instead. We've been saying this was likely going to be the case. Even at the time, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said this a couple years ago that like, hey, no, the president does not have the authority to unilaterally dismiss to forgive all of student loans. But that being said, we know that this was a disappointment for a lot of folks for tens of millions of folks who had their fingers crossed that their loan balance would be wiped out, eradicated altogether, or at least reduced significantly. And were yeah. sorry, I'm glad that we weren't the ones to be the bearers of the bad news because you probably saw by now. <laughs> a tweet, you saw a headline and, we, you know. The blow has already been dealt, and we're able to kind of come in and explain it a little.
0: Yeah, more. And, and the thing is, there's a whole lot more in the aftermath of the the Supreme Court striking this this uh, Biden mandate down that we have to talk about. Because actually, I think that is the least significant at this point of the news. There's a whole lot more that we need to discuss based on like the fallout from this decision. And I totally, Matt, I get the dis- the, the disappointment of of people being told that you're going to have a massive chunk of debt eradicated from your life, and then having the rug pulled out from under you. That's crappy. But I will say there is kind of uh, a silver lining for student loan borrowers. And it's called the safe plan. The safe plan could save the day for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> b- there's Basically, this is the new repayment plan that the Biden administration and the Department of Education have come up with, and it's coming down the pike just in time before, in all likelihood, student loan payments resume. And so, yeah, th- this plan is going to go even further than the forgiveness attempt will for many, yet it's not being talked about to nearly the same degree. It's going to result in lower payments for a ton of people, in- in especially Especially lower-income households, mm-hmm. undergraduate borrowers could cut in half or more the amount that they have to pay towards their loans each month from uh, because now the new requirements are down from 10 percent of discretionary income to 5 percent, and the, there's just uh, the discretionary income thresholds were uh, became more generous at the same time. So I mean, people could who had an average student loan payment of 500 bucks, depending on your income, it could go down to. 100 or 200 bucks it's it's incredible and then on top of that uh for for some folks they could end up getting their loans forgiven at the end of 10 years anyway so student loan planner actually uh, has put up a helpful calculator that we'll link to in the show notes it'll show you how the save plan is going to impact your student loan payments Matt and I'm sure we'll be talking about this plan more as the details continue to surface. But yeah, it, it, it's, I, mm-hmm. I know you're probably disappointed that you didn't get loan forgiveness of, a, of either a certain amount or all of your loans. But this safe plan really could massively change the amount of money you have to fork over towards your student loans every single month. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to be paying what you were paying on student loans before the pandemic uh, once student loan payments begin again. Exactly.
1: And by the way, so it's the SAVE plan, S-A-V-E, which stands for saving on a uh, valuable Valu- Education, <laughs> right, yeah. which that's that's the acronym. And it's so dumb. Like, honestly, it just points to the fact. Well, Washington acronyms are dumb. Yes. Well, that's the thing. It points to the fact that this has become a political football. And that's what's most annoying about this, right? Is that because they slap these fancy acronym names on there. Like, the reason they do that is so that when they're talking about it in press releases, when it's discussed in headlines, that it looks good and that it sounds good, as opposed to addressing the underlying issues. That, to me, points to the fact that politicians are more concerned about the politics of it and less concerned about actually addressing some of the root problems, which right. is super
0: annoying. Well, but yeah. I mean, we have said all along, this, neither this repayment plan nor the forgiveness attempt Really do anything about the root problem, yeah. which is the high cost of college that's been skyrocketing for decades. Exactly. Yeah, they're just sound bites. But in addition to all of this, the
1: Biden administration has instituted a 12-month on-ramp to repayment, which goes from October of this year to September 30th of next year of 2024. And during this period, if you miss a monthly payment, you will not be considered delinquent, uh, and it won't be reported to the credit bureaus. So now this it kind of raises the question, should you pay off all of your student loans when interest starts accruing in September or when, when payments begin again in October? Like, practically speaking, this is kind of what we're discussing here. Like, should you even pay on them at all? What's well, our belief that, you know, even in the way that student loans are just given out like candy in this country, uh, that and how it's setting folks up for failure, even still, You took out that debt and you owe it. And with that in mind, I think you should pay on it as agreed, even If the folks in charge, even if the politicians are kind of nodding and winking and they're, you know, it's like, oh, you don't actually have to pay on it. Um, I think you should pay on it as agreed. But that doesn't necessarily mean you should uh, eliminate them altogether, right? When there is still some hope of forgiveness in the end, um, I think for now, make those payments. Uh, But maybe hold on to those additional savings right now. Take more of a wait and see approach. Hopefully, again, from the beginning, we've said... Continue making payments to yourself. Set that money aside in uh, an earmarked part of your checking account and part of your spending account or your savings account, whatever, so that you've kind of got the stockpile. Don't deploy that stockpile just yet. Let's see what happens, (laughs) right? Like as there are more and more challenges as these programs evolve. But I, I think it does make sense just to go ahead and make payments. This is uh, sort of like the ethical sort of side of the equation. Like you got the nuts and bolts and what's actually
0: allowed, but it's worth thinking through, all right, like what is it that I should be doing in this case? Just because you're not going to get in trouble and not get reported to the credit bureaus for making late payments or not making payments at all for a whole year, doesn't mean that that's the, the route you should take. And, uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I think if you've, if you've, it's like a lot of how to money listeners have done. If you've created this massive war chest of funds in order to pay those student loans off and you could do it in full, well, you still just might want to hold off for a minute and do better things with that money because. The president's still trying to work towards loan forgiveness that that could come about who, under a different. Who knows under what's a different ha- law from Another, 1965, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the higher education law, and so so this is this is one of those things where it still could come down the pike, and even if not, this save plan could massively reduce your payments and potentially uh, result in forgiveness anyway. So you, you, you it, it gets really confusing, but I think uh, if you really want to and you're just tired of it, pay off the debt. But I think for a lot of people, if you want to do what's the most optimized uh, way yep. moving forward, you might want to hold off exactly. and kind of see how all this shakes out. So kind of confusing the 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 ruling and then kind of the, the royal rumble happening between the executive and the judicial branches right now. Lots shaking out, but I'm, we'll continue to talk about this in, in the future. And if totally. you have Questions, as always, submit one for us so yeah. we can take it on a oh, Ask How to Money absolutely. episode. So.
1: And it's worth pointing out, too, this is how our country is supposed to work, right? Like, you're talking about this Royal Rumble. Like, it's a good thing it's, well, Royal makes it sound like the UK or something like that. <laughs> but, like, this is the American Rumble. Like, there should be some conflict between the different branches of yeah. government as we are trying to make our country
0: a better place. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, like, cage fighting. But it should be, yeah, some healthy... Like Musk versus Zuck w- uh, <laughs> <Exactly. Musk> style. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's talk about something else real quick, Matt. While we're talking about government action the only government agency that could overshadow the efforts of the FTC, I would say is the Supreme Court, what they did last week, right? But the FTC has been quite active in recent months and they're at it again. This time they want to eradicate fake reviews from the face of the internet. And this sounds difficult to me. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. Right, yeah. It's like, hey, I want to take all mean comments off Facebook and Twitter. Like, okay. Let's get rid of all the meanies. Yeah. <laughs> um, highly unlikely, but let's see what you can do. Uh, and there could be hefty penalties for companies that allow fake reviews to continue to exist on their websites. And this this sounds like a game of whack-a-mole, but uh, we'll see whether or not this comes to fruition. But it made made me think, Matt, that there's a whole lot, actually, that people can do about fake reviews in their lives. Now, fake reviews are kind of annoying and they can be tough to spot. And sometimes we make purchasing decisions based on a star rating when really we should dive a little deeper. Yeah. Well, and
1: specifically Fake Spot. this is a great site where you can enter in a link and they will, they say they use AI now. <laughs> and if, I mean, obviously this is what Software and computers were doing previously, <laughs> but I feel like now that AI is uh, a thing, now everybody's going to be imp- finding ways to oh introduce gosh. the fact that they use AI with whatever it is that they're offering. Hey, uh, I will say,
0: no AI used in this podcast at all. Yeah, never. Maybe, well, I don't know, maybe in the future we'll. someday,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's not how we roll. Uh, they've also got a Chrome plugin, but it can help you to analyze the reviews uh, on different sites across the the internet. But also, don't just look at the star rating, right? Like, actually, wade into a few of those reviews. Look at the pictures see what it is that folks love and hate about the product before ordering i i always look at the pictures because i want to see like not the perfect studio product image that they've got up on the website but what does it look like in
0: real life on somebody's crummy kitchen counter without the perfect lighting. <laughs> I want <laughs> you know? what like Tina from Kansas City, Missouri has to say yes, about yeah. that item, you know, not the not just the the copy that was created by some marketing company. I want to know what like the everyday person, how they're using it, what it looks like mm-hmm. in their kitchen, all that kind of stuff.
1: And I, I always specifically search individual words. Like, so if it's a, know, yeah, you're talking about something in your kitchen, but like whatever the item is, I typically have uh, a use for it in mind. And so I always search that because I'm like, okay, did somebody use it the way I'm planning to use? use it as mm-hmm. well to help kind of confirm that, oh, yeah, this is uh, a situation where that product is going to solve my problems. But man, if the FTC somehow is able to make fa- fake reviews, a thing of the past, I'll be impressed. I'll be shocked. Uh, but we can at least be smart consumers, even in the midst of just a cesspool of fake reviews plastering the the Internet, because I think the the biggest issue is going to be the actual enforcement, because there is also going to be a fine line for the FTC to walk between, because a, a part of what they're targeting is uh, different companies that are offering free products in order. They're essentially, they're trying to incentivize users, honest, actual users, to leave a review, exactly, right? And yeah. I don't, personally, I don't think I don't see anything wrong with that. You're in trying to incentivize behavior, but there's a difference between doing that and straight up paying for fake reviews. Folks who have never even laid
0: eyes on that product and they're just getting the reviews up there just to yeah. juice the star rating. Speaking of reviews, by the way, you should review the How to Money podcast if you haven't. Please Leave us a nice one. If and, you listen uh,
1: to the podcast, we're yeah. not asking you to go out there and coordinate your army of 10,000 <laughs> 10, bots or anything like that. But yeah, if you listen to the podcast, leave us a review. It helps. Yes,
0: for sure. Nice. And and not, normally we say that for like the end of the episode. We do. But we'll do it now this because is a we're legit, talking about reviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a legit request. That's right. All right, we got more to get to on this episode, including something that... it a lot of people feel about their money, a way a lot of people feel. But man, those feelings are leading to worse actions when it comes to your money. We'll get to that right after this.
1: You're you, you in a good mental, emotional state? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Honestly. Let's dive into it. I'm at the top of my game. Yeah, okay. Hey, leading up to uh, <laughs> a nice weekend I'm like to Michael you. Jordan in 95, all right? <laughs> all right, so this is our ludicrous headline of the week, and this one comes from The Hill. Headline reads, Americans are hiding their credit card debt. And this one basically comes down to people feeling shamed by the debt that they've accrued and just so everyone knows we we think that shame has no place in personal finances uh but there is a lot of it in the space for some reason making
0: people feel bad about past decisions even though that doesn't help a lick that happens a lot it's like uh old school financial radio shows or stuff like that and somebody calls in and it's like well let me tell you just how bad your mistakes were and the, and the caller's like no no no, i get it <laughs> and that's why i'm calling in for advice and they're like no, well i just want to berate you for just a second and there's just why like well, i don't know why um it kind of feels like an old school approach to yeah. solving problems where it's like, that's not really necessary. It's Isn't it? like the way they used to spank, people, spank kids in school back in like the
1: <laughs> 1940s and 50s. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but there's a, a recent report from Hub, and they found that a third of people refuse to let anyone else know how much they owe in credit card debt. Uh, the average person owes something like $10,000. But So what that means, of course, is that there are some folks who owe a whole lot more than that. And... I get that this is something that you probably do not want to shop from the rooftops, right? (laughs) Like, hey, look at all the mistakes I've made. I am terrible with my money. right? Uh, But it's also not something to just to to tear your clothes and to heap coals on your head like like you're in the Old Testament or, or anything like that. It's good to address the problem and acknowledge that, all right, maybe this wasn't the smartest thing
0: for me to have done, but also
1: hey, let's turn over a new leaf and start making some wise decisions.
0: Yeah. You and I, we've talked about this in the past and we always turn to Brene Brown because she's done so much good good work on totally. shame and guilt. And she basically says that shame is this focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame says, I am bad. Whereas guilt says... I did something bad. And those are two completely different ways of looking at things. And I do think shame can cloud our judgment and it can make us feel a certain way about ourselves, often getting us further stuck kind of in bad habits or just like, I don't know, shame just compounds on itself in terrible ways. And so the truth is we've all done bad things, right? We've all made mistakes in money and in life and nothing good comes from making ourselves feel like total crap about those things. And in fact, it, it often leads to even worse things happening, right? Like keeping secrets from your partner. As this survey revealed, a lot of people who feel this shame, they they not only are unwilling to talk about it with anybody, but then they keep secrets, uh, things that they should be talking about with their significant other, with their life partner, with their spouse. And they don't. They start sweeping things on, under the rug. They hurt their finances and their relationships at the same time. So, uh, so one thing that's damaging leads to more damage in other areas of mm-hmm. their life, which is just so awful. It's like a domino effect. And so we would say, it's okay, and even good, to talk about your debt with a trusted friend or loved one, uh, even if they don't have killer advice. It releases this pressure value. You feel you don't need to find somebody who knows exactly what they're doing with money in order to kind of uh, unburden yourself and discuss those feelings and discuss those mistakes. Uh, so I think it's important, Matt. When we I, I don't know, I see stats like this, and it just makes me feel like most people, and we see the other stats about about friendship and in decline in this country. And people just need someone to talk to. Yeah, And you don't necessarily need an expert, a financial planner to help you out. This is more of a relational thing, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Totally. Yeah. It's sad because it makes you realize that there's a lot of folks who feel alone yeah. and just talking about it with somebody else. Like you said, who doesn't have to be an expert or a pro can just get the conversation rolling. And I think that can be a, just a great first step. And I think you could probably find that, oh, wow, that might allow them to open up a little bit too mm-hmm. before long. Uh, you've got a, a sense of accountability. And maybe this is something you both can start trying to figure out on your own or together, not on your own. Like the whole idea is to not do it on your <laughs> own, <laughs> to get outside of your head, uh, your own head. Yeah. But I think another way that we can continue to sort of taekwondo those feelings of guilt into additional action is by coming up with a plan to pay that debt off. Uh, specifically, check out it. Uh, so undead.it. Uh, this is a A really helpful online tool for creating a debt payoff plan. Uh, It breaks down some of the different approaches like the snowball versus the avalanche versus some sort of hybrid approach. But that can be a really, really great resource. But if you need real help, because maybe you are in over your head, we would recommend for you to reach out. Uh, to some folks over at the NFCC. They've got some different local chapters uh, or even reach out to Money Management International. But they are incredible and they can help you to to create a plan if you need somebody basically to walk alongside you. And they'll help you to get where you want to be while leaving those those shame tactics at the door. So we're saying this because we want to recommend for folks to get the help that they need. And the more we keep silent about these things, I think the less willing we're going to be to admit our actual faults, our previous financial mistakes. Um, and as we do that, if we're less likely to do that, I think we're going to be less vulnerable
0: and we're going to become even more isolated. Vulnerable sounds negative, but I think vulnerable is a good place to put yourself, right? That you, Totally. You're putting yourself in a place where you can be helped. Uh, and if you're impenetrable, it means you can't be helped. And so I think that vulnerability, Matt, that you're suggesting people have is, is a good thing. And whether yeah. that's with a friend or with a professional at a, at a not-for-profit uh, credit and debt counseling center, yes. I think... Either place is a great place. To yeah. Impenetrable point. is good if you're perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like, but obviously nobody is perfect.
1: And, Man, and again, whatever, yeah, yes. we all make freaking mistakes. And so it makes me think of like, like a rain jacket, a poncho or like old school, just plastic. They suck because Mm -hmm. (laughs) because sure, they don't let the water in, but they also don't let your body to breathe. And so before long, you start sweating. Yeah. And there's no give and take. There's no like like movement of air. Uh, What you want is like uh, Gore-Tex or whatever, where there's some movement of air uh, and you can actually sweat a little bit without it. I don't know if this is, this is probably a terrible. analogy, <laughs> But when I think of impenetrable, folks oftentimes think that impenetrable is good. But what we're saying is that, you know what, like you should probably make some room in your life for to, to be able to
0: talk about your finances, specifically with a life partner, someone who, who you love. Yeah, I think shame is not what you want. Guilt Okay, it leads you towards if it leads you towards change. But um, yeah, just we've all made mistakes. If that helps you realize that you can seek help from from somebody else, you can open your mouth, you can talk about it. I think that's I think that's a good thing. That's kind of what we're pushing towards here. All right, let's talk about uh, where people choose to live Matt and how that impacts how much money they have, and the uh, the cost of living uh, where we live is probably about average nationwide. And you don't you don't necessarily see us trying to move somewhere cheaper because where you choose to live, it's not all about the money. But for younger folks, in particular, who have more flexibility and a bit of wanderlust, it might make sense to at least consider moving somewhere else as a way to save a lot of money. There was this recent analysis by Smart Asset, and they put numbers to something that we all know to be true. But uh, moving from cities like New York City or San Francisco will save you a lot of money every year. I think uh, moving from San Francisco to Miami saves on average something like $37,000. Or New York City to Miami, about that's with someone who has an income of about 150k think about that 150k in new york city you move to miami you're saving 50K off the bat. Uh, and, and again, like, yeah, don't let the, the tail wag the dog here. But my goodness, you have to be thoughtful about uh, being thoughtful about where you live and thinking about the cost of living that you're going to incur by choosing that place. And you might choose on purpose, say, hey, New York, New York's worth the extra expense. And man, the connections I'm making are valuable. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. But at some point, you also have to think, well, how much would I say moving somewhere or, else?
1: That's what's so great about these different, different resources like this that provides numbers because it allows you to like, you know that, oh, yeah, I know it'll be more affordable if I move out. But to actually see some hard numbers, you can you start thinking, all right, man, Forty, let's just say forty five thousand dollars, an additional forty five k. Like, what right. could I do with that money? That's a lot of money. And by the way, Miami is also not like middle of nowhere. You know, like no, that's it's not a, like some <laughs> podunk city, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's funny. So you mentioned too that like we didn't necessarily like Georgia specifically in Atlanta. It's, it's pretty average when it comes to a lot of things, right? Like it's not the cheapest place. It's not the most affordable uh, place in the in the country, but it's also not the most expensive. But that like us moving from in town up to the burbs. Money was a consideration. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it wasn't something that we thought thought through. Like the cost, does lower the cost of living. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for us specifically, moving moving out the burb to the burbs help, But like the cost of homes, childcare, uh, taxes up here, <laughs> they're all a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. And so that, in conjunction with more important factors, are are all things that you need to keep in mind. That you need to kind of basically find that
0: balance. And we wouldn't have made our decision purely based on those numbers, but it definitely uh, was a a, a factor. It was a factor. Exactly. But like geographic arbitrage, this is a, a popular concept
1: in the FIRE community, in the financial independence retire early community. And typically, it's talked about like on the international front, right? Like if you can, uh, hey, move to Panama, and uh, that'll save young <sighs> retirees a ton of money every year. If you if you were to do that, uh, it's even it's going to save you even more money if you like move out to Thailand. <laughs> uh, but if you would rather stay in the good old U.S. of A. Kiplinger, they have a new list that they've created. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, of course. But I saw that Augusta, Georgia, my uh, my hometown. Your old stopping grounds. That was there on the list. And in fact, like the South and the Midwest, they dominate the list, I guess, not surprisingly. Uh, but the number one city... Harlingen, Texas. I don't even know if I said that properly because <laughs> I've never even never, never have heard of it before I don't even know where that is in Texas. I don't know. Is it near Mexico? Is I, it further north? I don't, I don't know. But all I know is I won't mess with it. Yeah. Uh, money is not everything, but especially if you're younger, you've got a little more flexibility. It's, it's difficult to make decisions like this. Purely based on money. If, because when you have a family, you've got, you're taking other things into account. But if you are more, more flexible, if you do have the ability to work from home, it's something we've talked a ton about over the past few years. Definitely something
0: to consider. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not an irrelevant piece of the puzzle. And let's talk about charitable giving for, for a second, Matt. It's dropped in a significant way recently. Total giving fell by 3.5% last year which is abnormal. It's just not good for nonprofits around the country, right? And uh, last year was a particularly difficult year as the market was down significantly and inflation was raging, which I'm sure those two things combined actually contributed to people giving less. But uh, And declines in charitable giving have been rare. Americans are historically quite generous people, especially when you compare us to uh, other nations uh, around the world. And it's understandable if you have to pull back on your giving for a time. I get that. Uh, don't keep writing checks if you lost your job, right? You don't want to deplete your savings while no income is coming in, or if your finances have just gotten a lot tighter. But we also believe that giving money away to causes you believe in is one of the best things you can do. Not, not just for the greater good, but we, we think it's also uh, a good habit. It's good for you as a person. It's great to see awesome stuff happening in your community but my goodness what it does for us as individuals being able to give some of that money uh, that, that comes into our lives away it's great from a personal growth standpoint yeah kind of going back to the guilt and shame conversation about
1: debt it just kind of opens you up a little bit right and I think it, it's a better posture to have with your money than sort of like this inward impenetrable fortress that you are building up for yourself yeah uh, we actually think that giving money away will will make you richer which kind of sounds crazy I know but giving money away Way, it just gives you that healthy detachment from money. It'll help you to see that it's not there just to serve you in your own selfish interests. It's there to help you to do good in the world via the organizations that you believe in. And it gives you the ability to tangibly see what that money can do if you allocate it well. On that note make sure to certainly do your your research do your due diligence on nonprofits before you write a check before you initiate that transfer and you can do that via sites like charity navigator you can do it at uh, charity watch and great nonprofits these are all dot orgs by the way Uh, but yeah make sure that you do your research make sure that you know They're ranked, essentially. They've got different scores. They take into account how much money is going into overhead, how much is paying the folks who run that company, as opposed to how much money is actually going to what they say that they're there, that they exist for. You'd be shocked. You'd be you'd be surprised at how little money goes to the actual causes in
0: some of these organizations uh-huh. that you have heard of. And, and yeah, you want your money doing the most good. And the more overhead, the less uh, that the money you're donating goes to the mission that the organization says they're 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 doing uh, or they care about. And so, yes, being able to see those numbers, see those rankings is so helpful. One other thing, Matt, that that deserves mentioning is especially for how to money listeners who want to like optimize their giving donor advised funds are something that are well worth looking into and uh, they, they used to be kind of for the uber rich uh, and the fees even at the low cost providers like Vanguard and Fidelity used to be just over the top right and and they still are actually at Vanguard and Fidelity and Schwab more expensive than we'd like to see I think, but, they've, I think they've come down over the years because there
1: are more competitors out there yeah. who are offering products uh, making it more accessible to, to folks yeah.
0: to just the normal folks who just want to be able to give their money a little more strategically. Right. And that's what's cool about Donor advised Funds. You can give them more strategically and you can also invest some of the money that you uh, want to give away so that you can grow that pile for, for the future, for future giving purposes. And so I uh, just want to let folks know that Daffy.org is one of our favorites and, and we I, I just wrote a review about Daffy. I've been using them for uh, about a year now mm-hmm. and I love kind of how low cost Daffy is but I also love the interface, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle and there's something like 13 times Cheaper than what Vanguard charges, which says a lot because Vanguard is low cost in almost every area of investing. Right. So um, Daffy's cool. We'll, we'll put the the link to the review of Daffy up um, in the show notes at howtomoney.com. And if, if you're keen to give and you're keen to give effectively, this is definitely one of the ways to do it. Yeah, head over to the website, check out that review. Uh, we, we explain
1: fully how it is that donor advised funds, how Daffy works, but it allows you to get that deduction for that year, but still. Essentially, retain some control if you're not exactly sure what specific organizations that you want that money to go to. So, mm-hmm. it basically it buys you some time. It allows you to continue to do some of that research that way. You know exactly where it is that your money is going to go and
0: grow that money while, while you yeah. while you wait. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Pretty, pretty slick. Love it. All right maddie that's going to be it for this episode uh f- folks you can find the show notes up on our website as always at howtomoney.com and you is, that, can, is that my is that my daffy name maddie maddie right <laughs> you're now Jolie. that's right when you search <laughs> daffy review you get like uh daffy duck stuff too by the way which is kind of funny but uh yeah so you can you can find that up on our website of course and I hope you have a great weekend uh matt until next time best friends out best friends out